0: Well, everybody loves a story of transformation. I know when my kids were growing up, they loved to watch the movie, Beauty and the Beast. And for those of you that have little kids, you probably, you get really familiar with some of these stories because you your kids watch them over and over and over. But if you're not familiar with the story, it's a story of uh, a young prince whose outside doesn't match his inside. He might be handsome on the outside, but he's not very loving and generous. And so he has a curse placed upon him that turns him into this beast. And the rest of the story is all about the inner inner transformation that slowly takes place. And then eventually we see this unveiling where his outside matches what finally is true on the inside. It's a story of transformation. And these stories don't just entertain us, but they give us hope. Uh, One of my favorite books that I've read in the last couple of years is a book called Unbroken. It was later made into a movie. Let me say the uh, the movie's good, but the book's better. And it's a story of transformation on several levels. Uh, It chronicles the life of of a man named Louis Zamperini. Uh, He starts out as a troubled kid. He's got a lot of fire in him and he's always getting into trouble. And then when he becomes a teenager, he begins to translate that energy into running, eventually becoming a world-class athlete and he runs in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. And so there's this story of transformation from troubled youth to world-class athlete. But his transformation doesn't end there. Um, he enlists during World War II as a bombardier. His planes eventually shot down over the Pacific. He spends like 47 days on a life raft. They're eventually rescued, but uh, they're, they become uh, Japanese POWs. And he has just a brutal experience um, where he's uh, beaten and tortured. and. So after the war, he really struggles to find peace within himself. He struggles to forgive his Japanese captors, but it's an incredible story of transformation as he finally finds peace in himself and he's able to forgive those that harmed him. And when we experience stories like this, what we begin to realize is that we can move beyond the struggles and the failures that we're encountering because we see other people that are moving beyond those struggles and those failures. And we begin to be challenged to live a better life. When I hear a story like that, I think about how can I be a better person? How can I be more loving to those around me? How can I live a better story? Now, anytime I think about this idea of story, I think about a writer named Donald Miller, and he is a writer and a storyteller who not only loves to tell good stories, but he loves to help other people tell stories. In fact, he eventually created a company called StoryBrand that he helps organizations learn how to more effectively tell their stories. And much of what Donald learned came from his own life experience as he was wrestled as a young man, as a writer, trying to figure out who he even was and what he really cared about and what is his life about. And as he began to find focus, we see transformation. He was transformed for this kind of unfocused young writer to somebody who had clear purpose and focus in his life. And so he shares a lot from his own experience and what he's discovered. In fact he has this quote from this little book called how to tell a story which by the way it's a free ebook and you can download it if you go to the grace fisher's app there's a link to it but he says this he says a good story doesn't happen by accident a good story doesn't happen by accident now that's true whether you're trying to tell a story or whether you're trying to live a good story a good story doesn't happen by accident in fact He has this little template that he shares for how to tell a good story, but again, as we'll see in a little bit, it also applies to how we live our lives, and his little template to tell a good story is simply this. A character has a problem, um, then meets a guide who gives them a plan and calls them to action. That action either results in success or failure. And so, I know it's a simple template, but we're going to walk through this and talk about the steps along. In fact, he has a little diagram that he uses that we're going to walk you through. Uh, The first thing is a character has a problem. Now, most of us don't like to encounter problems and challenges, but the the reality is if there is no problem, there is no story. In fact, in one of his other books, uh, Donald says this, he says, If you watched a movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo and worked for years to get it, you wouldn't cry at the end when he drove the car off the lot. That's not a a great story because there wasn't a problem. It's fun to get a new car and it's exciting, uh, but it's not a great story we have to encounter a problem because problems are also an opportunity to grow and develop and change. Because the reality is that most of us get comfortable, and comfort's not a bad thing, but we get comfortable with the status quo and where we find ourselves. He's got this other quote where he says this, he says, human beings naturally seek comfort and stability without an inciting incident, which is another way to talk about a problem that we're encountering, that disrupts their comfort, they won't enter into a story. They have to get fired from their job or be forced to sign up for a marathon. A ring has to be purchased, a home has to be sold. The character has to jump into the story, into the discomfort and the fear. Otherwise, the story will never happen. When we encounter a problem, we're challenged to move beyond where we are. And again, it's a problem that we can't solve on our own. And that's where the guide comes in. The guide is somebody who's been this way before, who, who knows and can help us figure out a course of action. And so then that's where we, we have to decide, are we going to adopt their plan? Are we going to take action on it? and we get to figure out if there's gonna be set success or failure and that's where risk comes in because will, we, will the character, um, and that's part of what makes the story exciting, will the character be willing to take action? Will they be willing to adopt the plan? Is there gonna be success or failure? Now, this template works for really big stories and it works for little stories. For instance, um, I think one of the classic stories of all time uh, is Star Wars. And to be clear, I know you may be thinking of a different Star Wars than I'm thinking of, but I'm going to go to the original, which I think is the best. And to be absolutely clear, we're talking about Star Wars 4. Now, you see, I figured there would be a little reaction there, but we can debate that after the service, Vinny. But, um, <laughs> It is a little weird to be at the point where a movie that I saw growing up as a kid is now considered a classic, but that's that's a different. That's my issue. <laughs> but if you think about the story, Star Wars four, you've got a character, Luke Skywalker, and he encounters a problem. Suddenly, the the evil empire is out there. Suddenly, it's literally in his backyard. And he's confronted with some challenges, and he has to figure out who am I? Am I just a kid that works on a farm, or am I something bigger? And that's when he meets this guide, this person that becomes a mentor, Obi Wan Kenobi. And Obi Wan helps him understand that there's a bigger, uh, bigger story at play, and that he's got a part to play in it. He helps him think. Uh, Obi Wan helps him realize that if he, if he. Uh, Uh, engages the force that he can make a difference in the world and so he helps him uh, make a plan to get involved and defeat the empire and there's a lot at risk here because if he's successful they'll destroy the Death Star and you I'm sure know how the story goes But if they fail, the rebellion is crushed and the universe is gonna be under bondage. And so this template works for really big stories, but it also works for little stories. Donald Miller says that when he goes home at the end of the day, he uses this template to describe his day to his wife. Now, I've not actually done this with my wife, but I'm gonna try it one of these days. I'm gonna, instead of just saying, here's all the random things that happened today, I'm gonna try to turn it into a story. So it works for big stories and small stories, but it also works for us as a template to look at the kind of lives that we're living. And long before Donald Miller wrote anything, the Apostle Paul experienced a similar kind of story in his own life, and he wants to help us engage in this kind of story. And so we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at Romans chapter three. It's on page 937. If you're using one of our Bibles, they're in this uh, either in the seat in front of you or underneath your seat. You can grab a Bible. You can also um, jump onto the Grace Fisher's app. The scripture's in there. Um, use your your app device. Uh, and and the scriptures will also be on the screen. But a little background as you turn there: Paul is writing this letter. Uh, Paul was a leader in the early church but he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. Now he'd never been there and so some scholars think that he was writing the letter partly to prepare them for his visit that this was one of his probably most comprehensive look at the good news about who Jesus was and his description in uh, of that good news in a real real clear way. It's a very comprehensive letter. You'll also begin to recognize that he speaks a lot about Jews and about Gentiles, non-Jewish believers, and if you remember, uh, the Christian churches often were birthed out of these Jewish communities that were in an area. Um, In fact, Christianity was originally thought of to be a sect of Judaism. It wasn't originally thought to be a separate religion, and over time it grew. As Gentiles became a part of the church and... uh, Um, It's clear that Paul is writing to both Jews and Gentiles in his letter. In fact, some people think uh, that this letter was partly to even begin to resolve some conflict that were happened between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And so we jump in in chapter 3, verse 9, and Paul starts with this. And you can see he's writing to you and I and to everybody that was a part of the church there. He says, well, then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others uh, no, not at all. For we've already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. You see, the Jews had the law, and he's beginning, some people, some of the Jews thought that they were better than the, the Gentile believers, and so he's addressing that issue. But he begins to present, hey, we have a problem. In fact, he says, re or re- re-says this again down in verse 23, where he says, For everyone is sin, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, sin is not a word that we use uh, often in our culture. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons is I think pretty much um, everything, almost everything is considered fair game. But we tend to think of sin as doing something bad. And so we think of things like the Ten Commandments, like don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. There's also other lists of sins Um, things like the seven deadly sins. And so if you think of, if you've heard this list before, these are more internal things like pride and greed and lust and envy and gluttony and wrath and sloth. But the most comprehensive definition of sin is simply missing the mark. And so if you think about an archer taking a shot at a target and he's trying to hit the bullseye, anything short of missing the the, t- the bullseye, you could consider it sin. It's lack of perfection, it's missing the mark. And this is a problem because we worship a perfect God or because God is perfect and we're not. Most of us would acknowledge that. Um, and sin is a problem because we're imperfect, um, our relationship with a perfect God is broken. And so we've got a problem that we can't solve ourselves, and that's where we need a guide. Now, I just wanna acknowledge that for some of us, asking for help from a guide, being willing to accept, Uh, help can be a bit of a challenge, particularly if you happen to be a guy like me. I think most of us, uh, many guys grew up kind of with the perception that we should be self-made, that we should have it all together, that we should be able to solve problems and figure it out on our own. But the reality is all of us need help at some point in our life. In fact, that's a thing that Susie and I have really tried to instill in our kids is that one of the best things that you can do is learn to look for people who are smarter than you, that are ahead. of you that can help direct you and guide you, whatever you're doing, whether it's spiritual things or whether it's home improvement projects. And for me, my home improvement guide is my brother-in-law, Randy. He, The man can fix anything and has usually fixed everything. So he's the guy that I call. I am thankful for YouTube, don't know what we did before we had YouTube, but I also call Randy because I can at least talk him through the problem and make sure that my approach um, now, if you know Randy, he does attend here, don't call him. He doesn't need any more people calling him to ask for help with projects. But, but a guide is often a person, not always, we'll see in a minute, but a person who can help us on our spiritual journey. Could be a parent or a grandparent, some other family member. It could be a small group leader, a teacher, um, a friend, somebody that helps us. It's really what we're called to do as the church is to walk alongside one another because you may have encountered something that somebody that's uh, a friend has never encountered before and we're supposed to be guides for one another. But there's, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the ultimate guide that God has given us. And Jesus mentioned this guide when he knew he was getting ready to leave his disciples here on earth. And he promised them that he would send the guide that would lead them into all truth, his Holy Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit is there to guide us into truth. So he's a guide as well. Now Paul if you jump down to verse 21 gives them the plan because we need a plan to solve this problem of our separation from God and he says this in verse 21 but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus and this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. This plan works for everybody. But again, you notice that we're called to action. And if you jump down to verse 25, you'll see the action word in here. But Paul continues and says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. See, that word win Indicates that there's some action that's required for us. We're required to take a step of action. And that action results in success or failure or life or death. And we see Paul describes in verse 24 what that success or what that life looks like when we take that action. Paul says this, Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, what we celebrated last week on Easter, when we surrender our lives to him, we are freed from the penalty of our sin. But then that leads us to the restoration of that relationship that was broken. And Paul describes this a few chapters later in chapter 5, verse 10, when he says this. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So, now we, so we can now rejoice in our wonderful, wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And in other places, we're described as sons or daughters. That relationship that was broken, the separation from God is restored. And here's the good news in this whole template is that God does the heavy lifting. But there's something that's required of us as well. God does the heavy lifting and Jesus does the heavy lifting. But like all stories, we play a part. We have to admit that we have a problem And that's the first step. We have to be willing to accept help from a guide. And we have to be willing to take action on the plan. We play a part in that. And when we are willing to engage with God, when we follow the story, what happens is a story of transformation. And Paul knew that because he saw it happen in his own life. He saw his own life transformed and he saw lives around him uh, be transformed as well. And that's why he wrote this to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who is in Christ is a new person. The old is, the old life is gone. The new life has begun. Again, Paul went from being a man who believed that he was justified by following the law and by doing all the right things to being a man who realized that he was saved by grace and by encountering Jesus. And he went from hating the church to being a man who launched churches all over the place. And he wrote a significant part of our New Testament, much of what we teach. And he shared it with these churches. He wanted to help them learn and grow. So, we experience the story when we surrender our lives to Jesus, but we also experience it in smaller ways as we encounter challenges and difficulties, even after we're a follower of Jesus. And God gives us one another to be guides, and He gives us His Spirit. And over the next five weeks in this series, Changed by Jesus, we're going to continue to look at that transformation and celebrate how Jesus has transformed lives. And so just to give you a glimpse of what's coming, next week we're going to celebrate and hear the story of a gal named Jackie Marvel. Now, I love Jackie's name because she sounds like a superhero. She's not exactly a superhero, but she does have an incredible story of transformation as she grew up in a really difficult and broken situation. She was eventually taken out of her home, placed into foster care, and she experienced some significant transformation. Transformation through what was a really difficult thing. And then the week after that, we're going to look at how Jesus transforms us over the long haul. And we're going to share, I've asked Krista and Josh Weber to share their story. That's going to be on Mother's Day. I think that'll be exceptional. And then Brad Miller is going to share with us uh, how our journey into God's love is never finished and how Jesus continues to break down walls and invites us deeper into God's love. And then Rob is going to wrap it up with the last week where he's going to look at how even sometimes people in the church can begin to trust um, like Paul did with doing those religious things and begin to believe that they're justified by the things they do rather than the work of Jesus. And so there's going to be great weeks. There's going to be a story every week, at least one story And this week, we're going to see a couple of different kinds of stories. In just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate the stories, or we're going to see the um, people being baptized. And as Rob said, this is an opportunity for those who are getting baptized uh, to mark their surrender to Jesus publicly, and for us to, uh, to celebrate with them. It's a moment that they can look back on in their lives and remember the moment when things are difficult that they made that surrender decision. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate. I love how we do this. We, we do it with worship and there's applause and we celebrate with people. But as Rob said, there's two significant overlapping issues that we see in baptism. First, we remember Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, Jesus' death is a picture of as he goes under the water and his resurrection as he come out of that water and we're, we are identified with him as we go under the water and as we come back out of the water the water is also a picture of us uh, being cleansed from the stain of sin now, one of the things that we used to do that I've heard from some of you that uh, that you miss uh, doing is hearing the stories of people being baptized. And so we're going to not hear the stories of those that are getting baptized today, but what we did do is we asked three people who were baptized the last time to come share their stories. And so in just a moment, you're going to hear Tony Juarez share his story. And then on video, it's Chris and Julie Galloway are going to share their story. And it's a way for us to begin to celebrate the stories of transformation. And so I'm going to invite Tony to come up and share his story with us. And so welcome, Tony.
1: Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Glad to hear it. This is my second time doing this today, and it feels a little easier. So, <laughs> um, so kind of first starting off with uh, my story. I appreciate you guys letting me share it. Um, I started off like my religious journey, um, just like any other kid. Grew up going to church, reading the Bible, watching Veggie Tales. But you know, that's a different one. Um, but I was very uh, optimistic as a, just as a youth with faith. As I grew older, kind of like not so much. Um, I remember like there was a time in high school where I started praying and I felt very confused to who I was praying for. Because as a kid, you know, you like to think you hear from the church, you pray and you hear the voice back. But as as an adult, you get a little skeptical. Is, Is he really listening? Is he really understanding what I'm saying? And i kind of translated into college to where um my faith like the light of my faith had grew really dim um made some mistakes in college and just overall i was extremely depressed extremely anxious and um i kind of just kept pushing god out of my life and at the same time i started growing very angry with god you know i wasn't in a great place you know you know mental health wise um classes were bombing i remember not having a lot of money i remember just seeing like just people that were like doing well in their jobs you know good relationships and being like very jealous like wondering like why god had not given that to me so i stopped praying overall and it was a bad time uh in my life probably one of the lowest until um about twenty 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 one. 2021 I kind of decided I didn't want to keep being in that mindset, being in that perspective. Um, so I watched this YouTube video. It's a random YouTube video. It's kind of going to Kevin's points, of the beauty of YouTube. Um, but it was detailing prayers of appreciation where one thing I realized while talking with God is I was always asking him, like, why not this? Why are you not giving me this? Like, I want this, I want this. Never really truly until like now realized how arrogant that was so i started my morning routine every day just being thankful for small things you know thankful for you know waking me up thank you for my family thank you for my friends um 2021 was a year full of change ups and downs um that was just very uh sorry i'm getting a little choked up (laughs) Just very, uh, very fortunate. Um, it's kind of ironic once you start doing prayers of appreciation, kind of realize how much you actually have. Um, and there's a lot of blessings happened in 2021. Um, met my loving girlfriend and her family. Um, I'm getting more choked up than I did in first service. <laughs> um, but anyway, so kind of going into the path of prayers of appreciation, I started realizing more and more what I had. Um, I remember Jordan asked me one day if I wanted to come to Grace, and I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I haven't gone to church in a long time. I had a college roommate. He was a Catholic, and he was always telling me to go to church with him, and I was like, man, I'm not even sure about, like, where I am with God and going to a Catholic church. It seems kind of like a mighty jump. I don't know, and so I remember Jordan told me, like, hey, you want to just want to try it out and, you know, see how it goes changed my life uh, in a big perspective. This this church is I'm kind of going off tangent of what I said earlier, the first service, but just seeing like the community here was just incredibly inspiring. And also seeing, um, just spending time with a group of people. I've uh, come to love like my own, the Heiningers as well. Um, it was just really interesting to me to see their love of God and how unapologetic they were with their faith and I remembered it was just really inspiring and uh, I don't know certain events happened and one day I kinda realized that God was working with me I felt you know my faith grow strong And I talked with again with the Heininger's my friend Andrew Um, was a big inspiration and just Jordan and one day I made the decision to be saved Um, Didn't really feel like at the time I was very worthy about being saved because where I was in life and past mistakes and I talked with Jordan, the Heiningers, Andrew and my family. And then eventually I talked with Kevin and I met Kevin at a Starbucks. Ironically enough, I was having car problems and uh, I was late. (laughs) Kind of thought that I I was like, oh man, I'm late for the big man, that's not gonna work. (laughs) And um, long story short, people know me, I ramble um i was just very fortunate to have the opportunity to be baptized i was baptized in november um one of the greatest days of my life just family friends work friends my family in general came to go see and you know since then i haven't looked back i uh i would like to say i don't struggle with with the things i do anymore but as we all know life's life you're going to continue to have those every day but from where I am now to where I was a year ago, it's night and day just difference. And no matter what struggles I still have in life, it brings me a lot of peace and a lot of comfort knowing that I was saved through his um beauty and grace and that's uh that's my story. Um thank you guys for listening and um thank you.
2: Um, I've always been a spiritual person. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I pray daily with my children and family. I read daily devotionals, um, and I'm a very prayerful person. But I felt like there was something missing from my relationship with God and really keeping Jesus as the center of my life and my family's life. At the end of last summer, we took a trip together that kind of allowed us to take a deeper look at some of our actions and behaviors that weren't really aligning with what we wanted for our family. And I really prayed a lot um, for God to change the desires of my heart. (laughs) Sorry. and allow me to find him as the focus of my days to help me best fulfill my roles as a mother, wife, friend, and daughter. And I'm forever grateful that those prayers led us to Grace Fishers and a recommitment to my faith through baptism. We came to Grace Fishers for the first time on August 1st and it felt really symbolic that it was the first day of Grace Fishers being its own independent church. We put our fingerprints on um, the artwork that was being done, and I thought that was really cool. It instantly felt um, like home for us and a place that we could really grow our faith together as a family. On one of our earliest visits, the story of the prodigal son was shared and touched me deeply. I had never heard it um, through all of my years of CCD and Sunday school, and um, it really, really struck a chord with me. I realize that God has always been and will always be running to me and wants to welcome me home despite all of my mistakes and shortcomings. And will do the same for my children. I keep the picture I chose from that service on my mirror and I look at it often and it brings me to tears. Um, a father's look of desperation wanting his children to come home as a, as a mother, I hope to allow my daughters to deeper develop and cultivate their own relationship with God and Jesus and know that they are never alone throughout the mountains and valleys of life. And the best way I can provide that for them is to live my own life that way. Also during this time where Chris and I often follow a divide and conquer method when it comes to raising three children. Um, The decision to be baptized together allowed us to move in a united direction as the spiritual leaders of our family. Um, Being baptized allowed me to experience a rebirth in my relationship with Jesus and remember that his presence is constant. I rest in his peace often. Keeping God at the center of my life has allowed me to remember that this life is so much bigger than me. I've learned to let go and let god take the wheel and the rest of the pieces will fall into place
3: well first of all i've, I've always had god in my life i've always felt like um, no matter how bad things got or how much i strayed god was always there with me and and i and i always knew that even, even through all the bad paths that i was taking it was almost like i was trying to push god out of my life to have my own will and so I, th- I think my story is kind of a struggle for me trying to bestow my will on the environment rather than God's will. And that's been pretty much how I've, I've lived my life. I live my life in a, in a way that I can do it. It's, it's all me. It's all me, I can do it, I can achieve anything. And that's, that's tiring, you know and, and, and I've I've been blessed with everything that a human can be blessed with. Um, my, my wife Julie, who, you know, just spoke here, and uh, my, my kids are just wonderful, and I have great business partners, and you know, success, and all the things a person could, could want to have success with. But that's tiring, you know. And uh, I finally realized, um, really, uh, my grandmother passed away in early 2020, and. I went to the hospital to see her, um, and we always had a great relationship. She was the the spiritual rock of our family for 50 years, and she she's really the one that always kept me uh, kept me with God. You know, she was always there to keep me with God. And um, the the last day that she lived, I went to the hospital and I read the 23rd Psalm to her, uh, and then she passed away about I don't know 15 minutes to an hour later, right after I left. So. I knew at that moment that um, you know I had a responsibility to my family and to all the people around me that I that I that I lead, because I I've got a lot of people that are very close to me and and, and that look toward me for, for guidance. So I I knew that I had to step up, and 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 be the spiritual leader of my family. Um, but I, I continued to make bad decisions, uh, and I continued to try to have my own will. And in you know in COVID things got hard with business. Things got hard with you know relationships, and I, instead of going toward God, I again went toward Chris handling everything. Um, and then finally, you know, uh, our friends the Carasquillos uh, suggested that we come to Grace Fishers, uh, and it was the first day that was an, that we were an official church here, and. Um, and and things started changing for me I could tell that that they did but but I still hadn't I still hadn't fully made that that transformation Um, and then and and then some some even more challenging things happened for me personally Um, you know at being a willful person you struggle with obsession addiction uh, aggression all those things that you hold yourself when you when you don't just let go and 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 finally um, you know, things just got so hard, and um, we had the opportunity to come in and get baptized. And I had been baptized before, uh, and so for me, it wasn't a difficult choice. It was—I've made so many bad, impulsive decisions in my life that, for me to not make a good, impulsive decision, which could potentially change the rest of my life, uh, it was was really easy for me. And Julie. Uh, discussed wanting to get baptized. So I said, let's just go do it, you know, and, and we went and we got baptized and, uh, it was a very special experience. You, you know, you had us baptize each other, which I'll obviously never forget. And that picture that I saw is, is just, is just priceless. And, um, after that things really started turning around in my life. I started, uh, you know, I, I really just learned how to let go. And I actually, I'm a runner, uh, and I I ran a race in November. And I remember having a training run where I decided that the reason that I couldn't run as well as I wanted to run is because I was, it, it was all me. And I just said, just let the Holy Spirit run you. You know, instead of you running you, let the Holy Spirit run you. And I had the best race of my life.
0: What would you say to somebody who's thinking about surrendering their life to Jesus and being baptized?
3: I would say the
2: time is now. There's, I feel like it was something that I wanted to do for such a long time for myself and for my family. I wanted to find a church for us to attend. I wanted to be baptized and I waited for so long and I wish I would have just done it so much earlier. Um, take some of the you know, stress and pressure off yourself and give those worries to Jesus.
3: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a statement to yourself and to your family, whether that's you and your spouse or you and your kids, that um, you know, no matter what's happened up until this point, from this point forward, it's Jesus in control and, and Jesus that's um, going to be the influence on your life. With our baptism, we got to baptize each other, which is a moment that I will never forget. And has only made our relationship stronger. I feel like, and our kids got to watch it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our friends went and got them from uh, from from Sunday school and brought them out there. And I'll never forget the look on, on my daughter's faces when they saw us <laughs> walking out of the uh, walking out of the water. And um, that was important to me because uh, I want them to know that uh, that accepting Christ in your life is the way.